Uh, Bob's away for the day, and so he asked me if I would come and share with you guys. Uh, so for the month of December, we've been looking at this whole idea of, of hope, the thrill of hope, um, and what does the gospel uh, bring to us during this season. Um, and looking at the birth of Jesus um, and celebrating his, his birth this past week. Um, and I hope that you all had a wonderful time with friends and family. Um, I was able to spend it this week in Philadelphia with family um, and just really low-key. It's a good time to just relax. Um, I didn't, don't really get to spend a whole lot of time back home, um, so it's always nice to be able to get home and relax, kick back with mom and my sister, and with the nieces and nephews, all six of them. Um, so it's, it's just a wonderful time. Um, but during this month, Bob has looked at several key things in the birth of Christ. The first week, um, we looked at the best Christmas ever, um, looking at receiving the best Christmas gift ever, our Savior Jesus Christ, and the example that uh, God gave us in serving us, and, in humbling himself and becoming human flesh, all right? And the example that that gives us to, to do the same, right? To humble ourselves, to serve, um, and to, to bring that joy and peace to other people. Um, and we'll actually be looking at that further today. The second week, we looked at the scandal of Jesus. We looked at the cost of love and the cost of following the will of God. The third week was the unexpected message, where we looked at the birth of Jesus Christ through the eyes of the shepherds, right? And we, were, we looked at how God sends us messages and be, how to be attentive to his voice um, because his voice can come in the most unexpected ways, even through shepherds. And then last week, we looked at the genealogy of Jesus. We looked at the family of Jesus and how imperfect yet perfect they were. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done, you're always welcomed into the family of God. And so, um, at looking through all that um, and, and prepping myself for the last couple of weeks, um, the, there was one question that kept coming back to me. And that was a question of where do we go from here? What happens now? We spent the whole month prepping and preparing ourselves to celebrate the birth of Jesus. But where do we go from here? And so that question kept returning to me over and over and over and over again. And I kept thinking about the New Year's. And, and, and how we're coming into 2019. And this means the possibility and the opportunity for all these wonderful new things to happen. But at the same time, it means that we're still bringing baggage with us. It's also that time of year where we make our New Year's resolutions. And if you're like me, I haven't made any yet, so in the next couple days, I'll be frantically thinking about goals that I would like to set for the new year. But looking at this word resolution, the first definition found is a firm decision to do or not to do something. It's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. 
There's intention, right? There's a decision that has to be made. And in that decision, there's an aim and a plan. We don't just fly off and do whatever we want. There has to be a precise plan of attack. The second definition that I've come to is that there's an action of, resol- of solving a problem, a dispute, or a contentious matter. And so it's this time of year that we take all those things that we've been carrying with us throughout the previous year, and we sit down and we look and say to ourselves, okay, what do we do with this for the coming year? Because we understand and we know that all these things are going to come back. They don't just disappear. Growing up and and talking to my dad as a child, I would always talk to him, come to the New Year's resolutions. And he said, it didn't matter. He still had to pay taxes. I said, well, that's true. Right? Nothing changes except for the number on the calendar. And so... Despite the joy and the love and the hope and the peace that we experience during the Christmas seasons, our sufferings, our trials, our hurts, our pain and temptations still linger around. We want to find a solution for them, a resolution. We want to devise an action, a plan to solve these problems. We make goals and find ways to correct things in our lives that will help us succeed in the year to come. Some of the things we resolve to do help us, and others not so much. Some of the things we try, we try, will last a while, and others just a few days. May I propose a new solution, a new resolution. Embrace Jesus. Today's message I entitled, Um, The benefits of suffering. That may seem a little odd, but hang in there with me. In our sufferings, we need to understand that Jesus really is the only way. I'm reminded of the passage in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, where to do all things to the glory of God. But what does that look like? How do we use our failures and shortcomings to glorify God? We give it all to Him, right? Sounds simple enough. Once we understand why we go through these things we, we go through in life, right? we begin to find a purpose and we begin to understand our commission that's found in Matthew 28. To understand this, we must understand God's purpose for Christ who came on that Christmas long ago. We sang about it this morning. In the quiet, in the stillness, I know that you are God. In the secret, in the secret of your presence, I know there I am restored. When you call, I won't refuse. 
each new day again I'll choose. There was no one else for me. None but Jesus, crucified to set me free. Now I live to bring him praise. In Romans, we see that he comes to demonstrate his righteousness. He comes so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith. Romans 15 tells us that he sent to confirm the promises given to, to us by the Father. Matthew tells us he comes, I did, he says, I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. John 12, he says, for this purpose I came to this hour, Father, to glorify your name. John 17 tells us, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. John 18 says, For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Mark chapter 1 tells us, Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby, so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. John 9 tells us, For judgment I came into this world, so that those who do not see uh, may see, and those who uh, see may become blind. But we see also the reverse in John three sixteen and 17. For he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have, what, eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Luke 19, 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. 1 Timothy 1, 15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. It continues on in Mark 10, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. John 10, 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 1 John 3, verse 8, The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. And finally, Hebrews 2, verse 14, that through death he might render, render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and that might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. We see that Christ came with a purpose. He came to redeem those who were purchased by the blood of the Lamb. That was himself. He came as a sacrifice. And we see that all throughout Scripture, not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament as well. One of my favorite authors in the Scriptures, Paul, and his ministry was to spread the gospel to the Gentiles, to seek and save the lost as you will, as Christ did. Paul wanted to live out the greatest commandment, to love God with all he had and to love one another as Christ loved us. So what does this mean for us? What does this look like? There are so many things in our lives that we say hold us back, that we contend with day in and day out. What do we do with those things? Simply put, we use them. Turn with me, if you will, to the passage for this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 
And we'll be looking at verses 3 through 7. It's one of my favorite passages. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. It's interesting, it's Paul brings us this idea of, of comfort and suffering. We see later on in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that he describes to us his sufferings and how he can boast in his sufferings. We see this in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, it says, it's, It is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's in the power of Christ that we find comfort. Verse 3 tells us that all comforts come from God. And our sweetest comforts are in Him. Psalm 119 tells us that His words are sweet as honey to our lips. And Lamentations 2, or excuse me, 3, 22 through 27, right? That ever so popular passage. His mercies are what? New every morning. And this idea of new every morning is literally that. His mercies are never recycled. They're brand new for that day. You see, He understands and knows what's coming your way. He understands and knows what you're facing. And He's prepared. He's ready to help you. He speaks peace to souls by granting the free remission of sins. And He comforts them by the enlivening influences of the Holy Spirit and by the rich mercies of His grace. He alone is able to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal the most painful wounds. In Isaiah 53, verse 3, he says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one with whom the people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Verse 4 says, Surely... He took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We see this echoed in 1 Peter chapter 2. In Hebrews chapter 4, we see, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, 
but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. He's able to heal the most painful wounds and also to give hope and joy under the heaviest sorrows. Matthew Henry wrote, The favors God bestows on us are not only to make us cheerful, but also that we may be useful to others. Verse 4 tells us God of all comfort. All comfort. No matter your situation. No matter your problem. No matter your trial. No matter your suffering. No matter your temptation. God comforts us so we may comfort others. We're supposed to give people the same comfort that God has given, given you. In verse 5, he tells us that God's comfort is abundant. We share in Christ's suffering and comfort. It's not one. It's not the other. It's both. And the beautiful thing is that it's abundant. It overflows. As I, if I were to fill this cup with water and continue to do so, it would just spill over. And that's how God's comfort is for us. So here's a turnaround. What's this all mean for us? In verse 6, why do we suffer? The simple answer, to comfort others. Our suffering is for their comfort and salvation. Christ suffered for us on the cross. It was for our salvation, our freedom. In order to do the same for others, we must suffer. We will be comforted in order to comfort others with the same burdens and sufferings. But we must also remember that it happens in God's timing and for His purpose. We must remember, as we sang earlier in Cornerstone, the weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. And in verse 7, we see, in suffering, our hope must be unshaken. It's because of our suffering we gain a better reliance on God, and our hope is in His deliverance. The deliverance of others depends on us. We are called to make disciples. Which brings us back to Matthew 28. So three quick points for today. On our suffering and the benefits of it. As we look to the new year and as we make resolutions... May I propose that we use our suffering. Don't try to hide it. Don't mask it. Don't try to sweep it under the rug. It's in our moments of weakness that we are able to encourage one another, to lift each other up. We're made for fellowship and for relationship and for communion. The first point is our comfort overflows 
so we may pass it on to others. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Uh, when I shared with you a few months ago, I shared with you part of my story uh, when I was in college. Um, and just to recap and, and to give you a short version to the story, to the beginning of the story at least, um, in college, within the same week, uh, I lost my grandmother to cancer. Um, my father walked out on us, um, and I had broken up with my girlfriend, uh, who I was with for about a year. And so needless to say, I had a lot of questions. I was very angry. Um, I was very stressed. Um, anxiety, um, depression took over. Um, and during that time, I really turned my back to God. And I, and I had that question, where do I go from here? What do I do? How do I use this? Why am I going through this? Well, actually, it wasn't until a year later that I found the answer to that. Um, during that time period, shortly after my junior year of college, um, I had experienced some things that um, really pushed me to my limits. And one of those things... Um, was suicide. And so it took me a long time to process that and to understand that. Why? Why was I thinking that way? Why was I being pushed to those limits? Well, that summer uh, after I graduated, we went to camp, um, the camp that I was working at. And for a long time, people didn't know and didn't realize everything that was going on in my life or in the life of my family, for that matter. And uh, as we went to camp, um, of course, it's a lot of fun and it's a good time. Um, a lot of games, a lot of different activities. Um, chapel times were just always amazing to me. Um, just to be able to sit with about 125 kids my age and to worship Christ um, together and to be in the Word together. And every Friday, and even was a tradition when I worked there, we would always have either Elijah Fire or a Friday night candlelight service. And it was an opportunity for us to come together and to share what God had, was teaching us during that week. And so this particular Friday night service, uh, we were all sharing, and I really felt God tugging at me and telling me, you, you need to go up. You need to share. And I said, no. He said, no, you need to go up and you need to share. And so the director of the camp, he came up and he said, if anyone would like to share, now's your time. 
you know, it was kind of getting to that point where there was like a lot of awkward silence. Nobody was coming up to say anything. We were just all twiddling our thumbs. And every time he said that, somebody would come up and share something. And somebody else would come up. And it always ended up being like this thing where it was like, I'm thankful for my like cabin leader, you know, she's awesome or he's awesome. And it never really was anything about like what God was teaching them during that week. And it, it, it really was a time to just give thanks. And I said, no, I don't, I don't want to. And in that moment, when I said that, our director stood back up and he said, if you have anything else you'd like to share, now's your time. We're going to be closing our service in a few minutes. And so I said, okay. And so I went up, I shared my experience um, that I had my junior year of college, and I just laid it all out there, transparent. And as I was sharing, one of the, the kids from our youth group, I was a leader at that time, he went out on the porch. I saw him leave the door, the door slammed behind him. And as I finished sharing and left the stage, a group of our youth came around me and they hugged on me and they loved on me. And it was encouraging because I didn't know how people would respond to what I was going to share. I didn't know how people were going to respond and look at me when I shared all the ugly things that I was keeping to myself. And here they were hugging me and loving on me. And it was, it was a huge blessing to me. And as the group broke up, one of the other leaders came to me and said, Jordan's outside on the porch. And he said, he's not coming in until he talks to you. So I said, okay. So I went out on the porch, and as I started to talk to him, he turned to me and he had tears coming down his face. And just a week prior, he himself had had thoughts of suicide and didn't know who to go to talk to. So for about three hours that night, I got to share the love of Christ to him. The comfort and the peace and the love that I found, I was able to give to somebody else. And now, he's serving with the Philadelphia Police Department. Our comfort overflows so that we may pass it on to others. It doesn't matter how big or how small. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. Whatever God has taught you and shown you, we need to pass that on. The second thing is we suffer for the salvation of others. Paul shares with us again in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 about his suffering. In verses 24 and 25, we see what all he went through. It said, Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Let me back up. Um, are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. 
I have worked much harder, been imprisoned more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received um, from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on a move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? And he comes to the end of the passage in chapter 12 and says, This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. We see in another epistle he writes that he becomes um, a Jew unto the Jews and a Gentile unto the Gentiles and so forth. Why? So that he can share the love of Jesus Christ. That he brings all this upon him. Why? So that he can share the gospel with them. It's through our suffering that we can offer this salvation to others. It's through our suffering that we can share the love of Christ and all that he's done for us. How have you suffered lately? And how are you dealing with it? Are you trying to hide it and mask it? Are you trying to understand it and realize what God is trying to do with that in your life? And not just for you, but for the lives, lives of others. Then lastly, we can only experience comfort when we are empty. During that time in my college years, I tried everything to comfort myself. I tried so many different things to find joy and pleasure in. I tried so many different things to be able to mask it and to hide it. And the one thing that I found, from my peers at least, was they saw right through it. They saw and understood what I was going through. Right? They saw that something was wrong. And it wasn't until I came to a point where I realized that none of these things that I was trying, none of these things that I was doing was giving me any kind of consolation or comfort. That I was still feeling that pain, that I was still feeling the effects of all the things that were going on. And it wasn't until I emptied myself and allowed Christ to work that I felt the change and I felt the difference. And it wasn't until that that I felt free 
and I was able to open up and tell others. Because I knew at that point and at that time, it was no longer about me. The night of my third attempt on my own life, I was sitting in my car. And it was a time where I I just said I had enough. Nothing was working. And I said, God, I said, if there's something you have for me, if there's a purpose you have for my life, then tell me. Now's the time. Now's the time for you to say something, to act. And as soon as I said that, my phone rang. It was my cousin. And he said, what are you doing? I said, just kind of chuckled to myself because I knew God was moving. And I said, I'm just cruising around town. So he invited me over for dinner, and it was that night that I went over, and the first time ever I had talked to anybody about what was going on. And he poured into me. He literally sat down and prayed for me, and he opened the scriptures, and he talked to me and shared with me. And it was that night that I decided that I would go into full-time ministry. I had to keep my promise. I said, God, if you have a purpose for me, then tell me so that I can do and live the way you want me to. You see, it wasn't until I was completely empty at the bottom of, of the valley that I was able to allow God to to do what he had been wanting to do this whole time. And so what does this mean for the new year to come? My encouragement to you is to take that suffering, to take those trials, and to take all those things that you're facing and move forward with them. Embrace them. Because as you embrace them, you embrace Jesus. Allow him to work and to to move in those things. Not just for yourself, but for others. There's somebody around you that needs your testimony. There's someone around you that needs to hear the love and the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. And so my encouragement to you is, to allow that to overflow into the lives around you. So remember, our comfort overflows so that we can pass it on to others. We suffer for the salvation of others. And we only experience comfort when we are empty. What are your resolutions for the new year? Do they include Jesus? Do they include the love, the hope, the peace, and the faith that you experience during the Christmas season. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Um, Thank you for your word. Father, thank you that, Lord, you love us so much that you sent your son, not just to celebrate Christmas and to have cheer and joy, Uh, but to pull us out of the things that we're dealing with, to love us, to care for us, to walk with us. Your word tells us that he knows and understands all the things that we deal with on a day-to-day. 
And he did so without sin. He did so so that he could comfort us in the only way he could. Father, I pray that as we move into the new year that we don't just push you away. It's a new year, Father. I pray that we place you as our cornerstone. That we look to you to level ourselves, to adjust ourselves, and to refocus. Help us to look to you in all that we do. Father, in the good and the bad. I pray, Lord, that this year we will just find ways and times to use the things that we deal with, Father, to touch the lives of others. Father, as your word says, while we were yet sinners, you came for us. Father, we didn't have to clean ourselves up. And Father, neither should we expect others to help us to dig down and to get down into the mess and help others out, Father. Because you've already given us what we need to do that. Father, thank you for your comfort and for your mercy, for your love and for your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, the ushers are going to come forward. Um, this is a time to give back to Christ. Um, and this is for our members only. So if you're a visitor with us, uh, please don't feel like you have to give. The only thing.